Hi, welcome to Pitt Town Church. We are so glad that you're listening to this podcast. We pray that this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus. If you would like more information, check out our website at www.pitttownchurch.com. All right, so our first Bible reading for today is from Genesis, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, uh, to chapter 2, verse 3. So right at the start. So that's Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. Evening came, and then morning, the first day. Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came and then morning, the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and he called the gathering of the water seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning, the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for festivals and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to have dominion over the day and the lesser light to have dominion over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to dominate the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and then morning, the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water, according to their kinds. And he also created every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and then morning, the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
And so God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. And God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food will be for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I've given every plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Evening came And then morning, the sixth day. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from his work of creation. Our second reading today comes from Colossians 1, verses 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Hey everyone, welcome to Online Church. We're going to do something a little bit different as we look at God's Word this time, just because of COVID and cameras and everything, as we jump into the book of Genesis, we're going to be actually looking at God's word. I'm going to make some notes 
as we look at it and you'll be able to follow along. So now this is going to be much more necessarily visual than it maybe usually is. So those of you who are listening on the podcast, it's going to still going to be good, 100%, but uh, it might not be as good as if you were watching. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the creator of all things. And Father, we ask now as we look at this opening chapter in Genesis that you would help us, that you would teach us, and we pray this so that we would become more and more the people that you have designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when it comes to Genesis chapter one, we often come with our own questions and our own issues and our own thoughts and worldview and framework, and we bring these to the text and we try and find the answers to our questions in the text. And that's not necessarily bad or wrong, but what it means is we can be so loud inside our own heads that we can muffle what the passage is actually trying to say to us and the questions that it itself is answering. And so when we come to books like Genesis, we often come with questions about, you know, are the periods 24 hours and what about evolution and what about the big bang and what about what about science and things like that. And they're not bad questions. It's just that that's not what Genesis 1 is talking about. And that's not the kind of questions Genesis 1's trying to answer. And so what we're going to try and do as much as we can is to get out of our own heads and into the mindset of the people who lived in this area, you know, Israel and the surrounding nations, how those people at that point in time thought and how they viewed the world and the kind of questions that they were answering. And so we want to try and hear the questions that Genesis 1 is answering. So we're going to have a, have a try. And so let's jump in. We're in Genesis chapter 1 and we're starting here in verse 1 where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now this is one of the key, this is one of the key points that Genesis 1 wants us to hear. That is the creation exists, number one, on purpose. The universe isn't an accident. It's not like all this just occurred by accident or there was no intention. Some people think, you know, maybe it happened by chance or by accident or there's no plan or maybe it was like natural selection. Maybe it was two gods who were fighting each other and the creation was kind of what happened. But Whatever it was, there's no intention. But Genesis says something different. Lots of the other ancient creation texts from these other countries around Israel talked about creation being chaotic and, it, and the chaos needing to be like held at bay and, and fought off. And there was often the creation was the result of two gods fighting each other and then that's how creation happened or the gods fight these chaos monsters and that's how the creation happens. But Genesis is very different. Creation, creation happens on purpose. But the big 
question here is not where did all the physical matter come from? Why is there stuff? That's just not what they're asking. It's like, yes, God was there. Yes, he was there in the beginning. Yes, he created everything. But that's not the point. We know, yes, Colossians chapter 1, that Jesus was the one who made everything in heaven and on earth and all things were made by him and for him, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. He made everything from nothing. Totally true. It's just that's not the question that Genesis 1 is answering. The question that Genesis 1 is asking is, what does all this stuff do? What is it for? Why is it here? How does it function? That's the, that's the question. So if number one, the point is that everything exists on purpose, the second point that Genesis 1 wants to make is that there is order. So verse 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, Now, these two words are the key to the structure of the rest of this chapter, that it was formless and empty. And what God's going to do is he's going to bring form and then he's going to fill it so it's not empty anymore. And then we see here that it says that darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. These three words, darkness, water, deep. These are chaos words. The ancient world thought that water and darkness and deep, that was all chaos. That's what's happening here. And so it's the creation is chaotic and God is going to bring it into order. And what we have here, the first three days, day one is about God bringing time Day two is about him bringing weather. And day three is about him bringing agriculture. And these three elements, time, weather, and agriculture, these are the three elements of an agrarian society. These, that's life, time, weather, agriculture. Okay, so that's the first three days. Now, you'll notice here, so the earth is covered in water. God moves the water around, makes land. The land has plants on it so it can be habitable. Nothing lives there yet, but something could. And you notice that God here is making separate spaces. He makes day and night. He makes sky and land. He makes the sea. He's giving the earth form, but all of those forms, all of that space, they're still empty. And now in verse, in, in day four, five, and six, God is going to fill them in. And we're going to get to that here in verse 14. Then it says, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for festivals. That's interesting. We're going to come back to that in a few weeks' time. It's not seasons like some translations have. It's festivals, religious festivals, and that's weird. That's what it says. And then he creates the two great lights 
the sun and the moon, the greater light and the lesser light. And so remember here, we're doing form and we're doing fill. And he's already done day and night. And here, then he fills it with sun and moon. And now we're going to move on. Verse 20, God said, let the water swarm with living creatures, let birds fly above the earth. So now we've got in the sky and sea, now we have birds and fish. So he's got, he's got the form and now he's filling it in. Interestingly here in verse 21, it says, God created the large sea creatures. And when we hear that, I would think we're thinking kind of sharks, whales. But that's not what's happening here. These are the official kind of Hebrew word, if you care, is the tarnin. It's the t a n i y n tarnin. This is a uh, a bit of a technical term. These are the chaos monsters. You might think, why? Are we talking about chaos monsters? Sounds like mythology and not true. The idea here is in every other ancient Near Eastern creation myth, whether it's the Canaanites or the Akkadians or the Babylonians or Egypt, they all have these chaos monsters. They're key to understanding how everyone else thought creation worked. And you either had to fight them off or you had to keep them out and then creation can happen. And here in Genesis, the chaos monsters are here, but we're not fighting them. We don't need to battle them. They're not threatening us. They're just a part of everything else and you don't need to worry about them. And they're almost like it doesn't even matter. These chaos monsters that everyone else was scared about and thought about. Here it's like, nah, God just makes them and they're a part of it and you don't even need to care about it. And then verse 24, God then says, let the earth produce living creatures. And so we've got back to the form. We had land and plants and then the filling is now animals. And here it's the let the earth produce, right? These are, you might call them dirt animals. Next week, we'll look at Genesis chapter two, and you might remember this where God makes man from the dust, from the dirt. And here it's the same idea. Verse 24, the land, the earth produces these animals. They're dirt animals too. This is to say us and animals are kind of the same. We're both dirt animals, but also we're kind of different too, because we're in the image and they're not, but we'll talk about that. And so we get these three kinds of animals, wildlife, the kind of predator animals, livestock, and then these creatures that crawl, they're not like snakes and ants and stuff. These are the animals that the predators would prey on. That's the kind of, that's the kind of thing. So you can see here how the account is actually highly structured and, and patterned. First, God gives the earth form and then he creates, so he, he creates these kind of spaces 
day, night, sky, city, that kind of thing. And then he makes sure they're not empty. He fills them with sun and moon and birds and fish. It's like he makes a donut and then he fills it with, you know, jam or something, custard. Maybe let's not be restrictive. It's more like it's, it's as though God builds a new house and he makes all these different rooms, creates all the spaces, and then he takes all that empty rooms and now he fills it with furniture. He, he, it's not so much that it's like a display home that you would just look at and think it's beautiful. What he's trying to do is he's making a home that you would live in, makes the spaces and then he fills them in. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks' time. So on to verse 26. Now he makes humans. It says verse 26, God then said, let us make man in our image. And we'll talk about this uh, next week, but just to flag here, image is imitation. We'll talk more about that next week, but part of what it means to be in his image is that we can imitate him and that we can interact with him. But we'll talk more about that. He says, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, the creatures that crawl. The rule here, people talk about about this a lot. It's like, it's not that we can just rule the creation, do whatever we want and just perhaps wreck it. The ruling doesn't mean we can wreck it. But it also doesn't mean reverence either. People kind of go the other way where it's like you can't wreck everything. The environment matters. But we also don't go the other way either and that we have to reverence the thing either. It's not that we just, you know, only consume. That's bad. But it's also not like the idea of mother nature either. Nature's not our mother We don't have to reverence it, but we also shouldn't wreck it either. A better way to think about us and creation is that creation is our sister in that we both have the same father. And so just like with a normal human sister, what we should do, how we're supposed to relate is that we respect them we care about them, we protect them, we look after them. But my sister's not my boss. I don't have to do what she says. In the same way, nature is not our boss. She's not our mother. We don't have to do what she says. She's our sister and we have the same father. And so, of course, we should protect and respect and look out for and look after and care for her but she's not our boss. She's not our mum. And so then, verse 27, God says that he made man in his own image, created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Now, this is, uh, this is just a controversial thing. In This verse has quickly become a controversial thing. But it's, you see, it's just what it says. We're created male and female. Now, you might know someone or you might be someone yourself where you don't fit neatly into the male-female 
category, you know, and for biological, chromosomal reasons, it's, it's not as clear, it's not as neat as this. People like this are extremely rare, but they do exist. And the thing to say about this is, yeah, we live after Genesis chapter 3, and so we live in a world that isn't as neat and perfect and ordered as we see here in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1 isn't a description of how the world is. It's a description of how the world was created and what it is meant to be and what it will be. But it's certainly not what it currently is. The earth isn't just readily and easily just giving us food. It, it takes toil. The earth is giving us thorns. It's often trying to kill us. And the categories aren't neat anymore either. And humans are born with any number, thousands of possible imperfections. The world isn't perfect. The world is, is now cracked. But even still, all people are made in his image and so are deserving of love and care and kindness and compassion and all people are invited and can be welcomed under the kingship of the Lord Jesus. But it's also true that male and female is the basic category for how God has made us. And then it says, verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them. Now, this, this is amazing. This whole chapter, God has been speaking and the sun exists and he speaks and trees grow and, and birds exist. He speaks and all this happens. And then here in verse 28, he speaks to the humans. Now that is supposed to be shocking and surprising and amazing. He speaks to them. This is a part of what it means to be in his image, and we'll talk more about it next week, but it's meant to be a shocking moment. And then he says he kind of gives the humans their orders, what they're supposed to do, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule. That's what they're supposed to do. That's, I guess, part of what it means to be in his image. Again, we'll talk more about that next week. But then at the very end of all, as he's made everything, day six, we see in verse 31 that it was very good. One thing that God is showing us is that physical creation is a good thing. It's not evil and you're supposed to enjoy it. When God has finished making everything, every time he says it's good and then once it's all finished, he says it's very good. And yes, when humans sinned, they, they cracked the order and now it's fractured. That's, that's true, but it still retains its goodness. Physical creation is not bad and it's not evil. My body isn't a prison that I'm trapped in and at some point my spirit will be freed and then I'll live a free, beautiful, bodiless existence. That's not how the... Bible talks. 
The world still pulls off some amazing beauty. It's still good. The world can still bring deep joy. There are things that you're allowed to like. It's fun. We don't always have to be suspicious and afraid of the world and physical things. God himself became a human, physical man in the person Jesus. And we, he was a human. And did you know he still is a human as we speak in the present moment? And at, at the present time, he's human. And one day we will be like him, physical and human. Your future is not a disembodied spirit in a cloudy heaven. Like if that's what heaven was, I'm just, I'm not sure I'd want to go. But that's not what it is. Heaven is physical creation bodies. That's, that's your future. And so then it seems like you get to this last passage, this bit, and it's, it, it's long, there's heaps of words. It seems like this is the climax. There's a lot of space here given to humans. And it kind of feels like this is the most important part, but it's not. The creation of humanity is the climax of God's work, but it's not the finale. The finale is, is what comes next in chapter 2, verse 1 where it says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from his work of creation. Kind of says the same thing basically three times. This is a Hebrew way to say, here's the important part, take note of this, here's here's the climax, here's the emphasis. This is the point of the whole thing. When we had those form and fill and the pairs, one, two, one, two, one, two, now you have the seventh by itself on its own as its own special thing. And what we see here is that he rested and he rested. And the idea of this, this is not that he relaxed. The idea is more that he ceased. He stopped creating. And then now he's at the helm, right? Now like the captain's on the bridge. Someone's driving and holding the wheel and is sovereignly now in control. That's what this rested word means. And then just one final thing. He declares here in verse 3, the seventh day holy. This is the only time in the whole book of Genesis that anything is declared holy. And it's the seventh day. And that's another way just that, that, that they're saying to us, this is important. This matters, this bit. The climax of creation is that God stopped creating And he did so, so that he could rest in his creation, so that he could make his home and rule in his creation. The creation exists for God, not for us. And as we'll see more of next week in chapter two, the goal of creation is that humanity would dwell with God. 
That's the point. As we might put it, the chief end, the number one thing is that man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever together. The point, the end objective is for humans to be at home with God. And what we see here in Genesis chapter 1 is that God made the heavens and the earth and everything and he did it, number one, with purpose. And then he effortlessly imposed order into this chaos. And then number three, he is sovereignly in control of his creation and there is security. And although, as we'll see soon in chapter three, the, this picture falls apart when Adam and Eve and the fall, there's a bit more chaos in the world than there is here in chapter one. Everything's not as neatly in its place and we don't live in a world of harmony and the order's a bit fragmented but God is still sovereignly in control and there is secure control. Even when it seems you look around and there's viruses and diseases and natural disasters and all manner of chaos, even when it seems like so much is out of control, our God is still always and completely in control. And that hasn't changed and it doesn't change. And so here in Genesis 1, we've seen him bring total order out of total chaos. And he's done it before. We see it here. And so whatever the chaos is that is raging in your life, God can order it. We've seen him, if he can order the chaos in Genesis chapter 1, then he is certainly well able to order whatever the chaos is that's happening in your life. Now, maybe he will and maybe he won't, but he's more than able and he hasn't lost control. And the one thing that we know for sure is that at some point, maybe tomorrow, maybe some other time, maybe a long way in the future, at some point, he will banish chaos forever and will live again with him in peace and harmony forever through the work of the Lord Jesus. As Colossians chapter 1 reminds us, in whom all things will be reconciled, whether things in heaven or on earth, making and bringing peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Genesis chapter 1. We thank you that you are the creator of all things and you are the one who brings order out of chaos. And so, Father, we do pray that you would help us as we live in a still somewhat chaotic world, that you would help us to trust in you, in your secure, sovereign control. And Father, we do pray that you, would, that you would bring order into the chaos of our lives. And we thank you above all for the Lord Jesus who has brought peace through his blood shed on the cross. And we pray in his name. Amen.